live from Dubai. This is the drive home with Rebecca Ricketts. Good afternoon, and welcome to Monday's drive home show with me, Rebecca Ricketts, coming to you live from Dubai. Tonight, I am joined by Sadie Landau, London primary teacher on Instagram, to talk all things international teaching and building a social media profile. Join in the discussion by calling or texting in, as we would love to hear from you. Live from Dubai, this is The Drive Home with Rebecca Ricketts on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in. Talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to today's show with me, Rebecca Ricketts. I am back, had a little break last week, but I am back again for our Monday Drive Home show, 4 o'clock in the UK and 8pm here in Dubai. As always, it is great to be here, it is great to be back, and I hope that everybody has had a lovely Monday so far. So here in Dubai, we are into week three of a five-week term, and as everybody who is listening knows, there is nothing more intense than a very, very short half term. Um, I do love a short half term, I'm not going to lie, because they literally go past in the blink of an eye, but I can't quite believe the speed in which we have to get everything done. Um, Literally, just before the show started, I mean, it's real glamorous today. I've got three screens, I've got data being uploaded as we speak. I've been writing year seven reports. Um, It's a very glamorous Monday evening going on here in Dubai. It's not all um, beaches and sparkle, I'm afraid. Um, But what does feel really incredible, what is really exciting is that three weeks today, I am actually going to be back home in the UK. Um, I've never been back home in spring since I moved to the UAE in 2018, Um, so I'm really, really excited because it is my favourite time of year and probably the time of year that I miss the most when I think about, you know, what happens at home. So I'm really excited to go back and hopefully have some sunshiny days, um, get my walking boots on. My friends have already told me that they'll probably be lambing and it'll be lambing season when I get home. Um, So that's also really exciting because it's very, very different um, from my life here in Dubai. Um, So I'm really looking forward to getting back three weeks today. Um, So trying to balance work and my, say my work and my actual life, because you know what it's like, they kind of merge into the two and kind of synthesize with each other, especially as I'm mentioning these short half terms. Um, And I do try to advocate as much as I possibly can on here about having that work-life balance or work-life blend. Um, And obviously I've had guests in the past who have said similar. Um, So on Friday, I made sure, because I've mentioned before now in the UAE, we finished school in Dubai at midday on a Friday, which is absolutely phenomenal. and I went straight out to Expo and went to the Expo site over in the other part of the city. And it was just really lovely, to be honest, um, going out with a friend, seeing some more of the pavilions of different countries and 
had a really nice way of doing after work drinks. We visited as many different countries as we can. So we kind of went around the world um, <laughs> and had a glass of wine here and a Belgian beer there. Um, so it was, it was quite brilliant to be honest. And it has been an amazing opportunity to have Expo on our doorstep for the last few months. So I'm going to try and fit in as many visits as I can because it does close at the end of March. So anybody that's listening who's in the UAE, if you haven't already been to Expo, go. It's like 50 dirhams now for an unlimited ticket. Absolute bargain. Um, and for anybody that isn't in the UAE and is listening, check it out. Just have a look at it online because honestly, it's one of the most incredible places I've visited in a long time. Um, so that was the start of my weekend. And then yesterday... I was somewhat inspired because on Saturday I went to watch my friend who absolutely smashed the Dubai Iron Man or Iron Woman, I guess she is, um, on Saturday morning. Um, she was down at the beach, swimming, cycling, running. So yesterday I took myself off and ended up doing a 40, it wasn't meant to be, but it ended up being a 40 um, kilometre bike ride around Dubai um, and absolutely loved it. We've got our... Um, We've got our own version of the Boris bikes here, and they are definitely becoming my favourite way to explore the city. So I took myself, again, if anybody has the Dubai knowledge, took myself all the way along Kite Beach from Top End, and then carried on and just got myself to the marina. I literally got myself back to my old apartment, actually, so I gave myself a bit of a tour of all my own old haunts, um, and then back again. So... It was a really nice way to spend a Sunday. Now, the reason I'm kind of giving you this diary update of my weekend is very much to kind of hold myself to account. I said to you already, you know, and if you've listened to this show before, I have had quite a few features on our well-being and balancing work. And like I've already said, very, very short half term. It's very easy, I think, to get bogged down and to get kind of stressed out with everything. Um, so it's very much holding myself to account and making sure that I do stick to managing the workload and making time for my life outside of work. Um, I am just looking at that to-do list right now and it does seem somewhat never-ending. So I'm trying to make sure that the weekends have got some nice plans just because it kind of keeps everything into perspective. So hopefully, you know, if you're listening, I'm hoping that you're kind of thinking the same and making sure, because I know everybody, even in the UK, I know your Easter holidays start after hours, but it's still a very quick turnaround, making sure that you are making time to do lovely things and just kind of keep that balance going. Um, on that to-do list that I did mention, um, one of the things that is written, capitalised, underlined, um, is very much our recruitment process right now. And I'm starting to whittle down applications for our fourth and final English teacher to come and join our team from the end of August. The deadline is still a few days away, so should anyone be wanting to apply to a really brilliant, lovely, gorgeous school in Dubai, um, it's Safa British School, in case you're interested and you're looking for um, adverts on tests. Um, but yeah, we are still looking for that fourth and final person. And we are looking, obviously, to build the English department into the English faculty. Um, so we're going to be offering media studies, drama, and today I introduced the option of film studies to our year nine students. Um, it is quite amazing, to be honest. We are only a very, very small school. I know I've mentioned this before. And I think we've got 31 students in year nine. So it's quite incredible, really, that we are actually able to offer film, media, drama, as well as obviously the traditional English language and literature pathways. Um, 
but yeah, I absolutely loved it. I um, never taught film studies before, so I'm using it as an opportunity to kind of upskill myself a bit more CPD, never did anybody any harm. Um, so yes, today we started and kind of did an introduction. First group of kids, I'm going to be honest, weren't massively sure, but the second lot seemed really, really keen. So I'm hoping that we're actually going to get uptake and we're going to have a few students taking it as an option. Um, so yeah, I'm not actually sure who's going to enjoy it more, whether it's going to be me or whether it's going to be them, but I am going to look forward to see how many students we get signed up. Anyway, that's enough of that because tonight's show, I've already mentioned, I'm going to be joined by the wonderful and fabulous Sadie Landau, aka London Primary Teacher. Um, Sadie is on Instagram with the handle London Primary Teacher, and she has around 4,000 followers on Instagram. And her page is really, really helpful, um, giving insights into teaching primary and teaching internationally. Um, so I'm really excited to have today's conversation with Sadie and get to know a little bit more about her and introduce why she set up such a brilliant Instagram page that is helpful for so many. So I am just going to play the ads. I'm going to play the news. And then I am going to be back here live with Sadie Lando, aka London Primary Teacher, to talk all things international teaching and how she has managed to build such a phenomenal online presence. So I will be back after this. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N.co.uk. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, Brett Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, 
and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Young Enterprise Scotland started out in 1992 and supports around 16,000 young people from all backgrounds each year to develop their business knowledge, entrepreneurial skills and become more employable. It is hoping to grow its hashtag female boss programme through schools, targeting young women in S34 and a head of course choice in S5. Liz Wardlow, College Delivery Manager for Youth Enterprise Scotland said, Our aim is to inspire, empower and support young women from a younger age to develop themselves through enterprise. This will include supporting them in developing their leadership skills, their entrepreneurial spirit and focus on developing confidence from within, touching on self-esteem and resilience building. By targeting S34, this would hit more pupils and also help them in the course choices for S5. It also creates a structured ladder of enterprise into a Young Enterprise Scotland company programme, an accredited qualification recognised by UCAS, which they can participate in in S5-6. Ultimately, it will give more young women the opportunity to develop themselves through enterprise and potentially become successful businesswomen and leaders. As part of the Pennine Lancashire Treescapes project, children attending St John with St Michael Church of England Primary School in Shawforth, Rochdale, have planted 112 trees on their school site. Each tree has been registered with the Queen's Green Canopy project. Head teacher Stephen Rooney said, teaching our children about the environment and most importantly how to protect it is now the most crucial area of learning within our geography curriculum. After all, it is our children who will develop the innovative solutions to tackle climate change in the future. Therefore, it is our duty as teachers to plant the seeds of curiosity and ambition for our children to take forward for the rest of their lives. I'm delighted that our school is taking part in the tree planting campaign and registering all 112 trees with the Queen's Green Canopy is just wonderful. The children had a fantastic day learning lots of new skills and it was wonderful to see them helping and supporting each other. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk timers. After being challenged to make a timer with shapes in PowerPoint, I thought I'd throw out a quick tip for the most common presentation software used in teaching. Microsoft PowerPoint and Google Slides. The easiest way to add a timer is embedding a YouTube timer video. In Google Slides, it's easy. Simply click on the insert menu and select video. You'll then be given the option to search YouTube. If you didn't know already, YouTube is full of timer videos. So type in the timer you want, for example, five minute timer, and you'll be given a list of videos to choose from. Select the one you want and it will embed. Finally, use the video format options to determine whether you want it to play on a click, start automatically or manually. Job done. You can also do this in PowerPoint, but you'll need to search YouTube first to find your video as you'll need the video's URL. If you're not a geek, that's the big long www dot address. Now you've got the address, select insert video and online video. Paste in the address and it will embed. Again, you can decide how it plays back in the playback menu. For both these methods, you need to be connected to the internet for them to work, but usually you will be. For this week's visual version, I'll retweet my example of the shape timer from last week and add a short tutorial demonstrating the methods I've just described. So don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Um, hello and welcome back to Monday's Drive Home Show with me, Rebecca Ricketts, coming to you live from Dubai where it is 20 past eight in the evening, nearly here, and obviously 20 past four with you listening in the UK. Um, today I'm really excited to be joined by Sadie Landau. Sadie Landau is also the London primary teacher that you can find on Instagram. And Sadie is coming on today's show to talk with me um, about her online profile and how she's been helping and supporting teachers all over in terms of international and primary teaching, as well as talking about what it is which made her want to be an international teacher like myself. So Sadie, I'm hoping you are with me now. Can you hear me? Hi. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, I can. Hi. How Hi. are you? I'm fine. How are you? I am good, thank you. Oh, it's so good to have you on the show. I'm really excited about today's conversation. Thank you for inviting me. I've been so excited as well. We've been talking about it now for a week, so ready to get chatting with you. Fantastic. So let's just jump straight in then. And can you please just tell everybody a little bit more about yourself? and about your career so far. Amazing. So Sadie Landau, I'm also known as the London Primary Teacher on Instagram or Miss underscore L underscore Teach on Twitter. Um, this is my ninth year of teaching, primary teacher. I have taught for four years in London, four years in Qatar, and then now I'm in my first year here teaching in Dubai. And along the way, we've dabbled in some middle leadership, PE coordinator, phase leader roles. Um, I can officially say I have completed primary. I've taught every year group from reception to year six. Oh, wow. quite, I know, yes. So we had some jumps along the way from year group, but <laughs> an amazing experience. But that's where we're at so far in the journey. Okay, fantastic. So you went four years in the UK and then you made the move. So you were in Qatar first and now obviously you are here in Dubai down the road from me. So what made you decide to make the move into international teaching in the first place? I have always been encouraged, even through uni and training to become a teacher, that 
this is a skill that I can take anywhere around the world. If I did want to country hop or island hop or take anywhere, I have this in my back pocket as a way to earn money and survive and live an adult life around the world. So I always kind of knew how flexible I could be as a teacher. But for me, after four years in the UK, I knew there was more out there and I knew I needed to get out there. And the experiences that you get from working abroad that I knew existed until you get out here and really start to experience it for yourself. You don't realize how broad of an experience you can have, not just in your own personal life, but through your development as well. Then um, just wanted to travel a little bit more. I was young, thought I could save a bit of money, go and travel the world, can meet lots of new people. And then when you get to the teacher side of it, I think everyone gets to a point they just want to escape working for the UK government in the <laughs> education sector. No so problem. have a little break from them. Um, but no, it's been an incredible experience so far. Okay, fantastic. So let's just go a little bit deeper and just drill down because obviously now you're in Dubai. Um, this is the only place that I've actually taught internationally. I don't think it will be the only place I teach internationally. It's really kind of opened my eyes to where I could end up in the world. Definitely won't be back in the UK anytime soon, I can tell you that one, <laughs> um, apart from my holidays. Um, but yeah, what made you choose the move to Dubai? Um, so after four years in Qatar, I felt I had really fulfilled the experience of middle living in the Middle East. So Qatar is not as Western as Dubai um, in terms of cultural norms and expectations and the way that we've had to adapt as British expats living there. So I felt I had had quite an authentic experience of immersing myself, learning and living in that Middle Eastern culture. And for me, I was just ready for something new. Um, I didn't really know where to go. I definitely knew the UK was not an option. So... <laughs> I just knew that Dubai is kind of that middle ground of I'm still working in the Middle East, which I know that I love and that lifestyle that we have. But then it's somewhere a little bit new and a little bit different based on the expat community here and working in a different demographic of school. And I just had a real interest here. I think a lot of young teachers do aspire to move and live and work in Dubai. Whereas I'd been to Qatar first. I thought, let's see what it's like. Let's see how different it can actually be. Um, so yeah, we thought we'd just jump over a little bit to the right hand side of the Middle East and try somewhere new. And how are you finding it so far? What what are your first impressions? You've done yeah, you must be seven seven-ish months now. So how are you finding it? Yeah, so generally speaking, the day-to-day -day living and lifestyle, it's very Western compared to Qatar. Like we just the way that we live, the way that we dress, what we can do here, what's okay, what's acceptable, is very, very different. Um, so that in itself took quite a bit of adapting to. I know myself and some friends who moved from Qatar at the same time to here. Um, we're not used to um, walking around with our shoulders and knees out in like touristy areas. We're always used to covering up and dressing modest and dressing in a respectful manner to the locals and the citizens of Qatar. So even that for me was a little bit of a shock, but you do tend to adapt and obviously adjust to it. And then it's so much busier here and there's so much more to do and there's something going on all the time. You constantly feel on a hamster wheel of, this is just open, we need to try this and let's go and try this and now let's go to Expo. And there's always something happening. Um, so that was different to adapt to. And then the teaching side of it, not that much difference to be honest, the way that the schools are run, the standard of the schools, the standards of the pupils, the parents as well are so like helpful and so supportive. The culture and the dynamic you find in the schools are very, very similar. 
Um, the only real difference I found so far is that more Western holidays and celebrations are acknowledged in British schools here as they compared to British schools in Qatar. And again, that does come down to culture. But yeah, it's, it's all very, very similar. I think for me, that's one of the biggest things. I feel very, I see things like on Twitter and people start saying, oh, you couldn't pay me enough money to ever go on holiday in Dubai. You know, what a vapid place. And it it really makes me quite angry. I, I feel very, very defensive about the place in which we live because like you say, the multiculturalism, the respect I think that people have, you know, they do for that expat culture. It, it isn't just all glitz. There is, there is also some real cultural heritage here. And I don't know, I just find it, I'm always a very big advocate, obviously, for teaching in Dubai, because I feel like I need to set the record. Absolutely. No, of course. Yeah, I'm still very protective of Qatar and people talk about there. And I'm like, no, it's an amazing place to live and teach. You will not ever understand that until you go and experience it for yourself. And the same with Dubai. A hundred percent. It really, and that's it. And it's the other thing that you were saying as well about the idea of the hamster wheel. Like there is constantly things to do. Like I was saying at the start of the show, you know, just trying to kind of keep that perspective right now because I could quite easily just work every single day, every single night and probably even going to school at the weekend at the moment. And I think that's the other kind of misconception. And again, you see that online a lot, that teaching abroad, teaching overseas is... Oh, 100%. Yes, I do try to nip that... Um, misconception a lot through social media there is just that stigma that working in the Middle East is all sun and games that's the phrase that I tend to use and it's not sun and games you are working harder than you are in the UK now it is all very contextual it depends on the context it depends on the circumstances but we work hard and we work long hours as you would in the UK but what's different is the lifestyle that we have our quality of life is a lot better here than the UK. But work-life balance is very similar to the UK, if not more intense. I would definitely 100% agree. And I think that's the thing. I mean, you've got to have something to offset the fact that we live so far away. You know, we've made this choice. But it is it is about the fact that the well-being side of it and the actual lifestyle is infinitely better than, Absolutely. than the life yeah. I was living in the UK. And I'm not going to lie, and this is very specific to the UAE and Dubai, finishing at 12 o'clock on a Friday is an absolute Doesn't it make a difference? Doesn't it make such a difference? Um, Yeah, that thrown on us suddenly. However, (laughs) it it makes such a difference to be able to walk out of that door at 12 o'clock and know you've still got such a long weekend ahead of you. I think it's around my school and my team, we've become so much more productive and efficient in that Monday to Thursday stretch because we do all want to work for that Friday finish and to walk out the door and know our work is done more than ever before. I definitely agree. I don't, yeah, I go in on Friday. I teach my Friday lessons, but my Friday is still very much like my Thursday because for anybody that's listening and doesn't know the context, basically we used to work Sunday to Thursday the government have changed it now that we work Monday to Friday, but to fit in culturally with prayer time, we have to finish at 12 so that people who need to get to mosque can get to the mosque. Um, and yeah, I'm still treating my Thursdays like my old Thursdays as if it was the end of the week. So it is making sure very much that Friday, I just literally go in, teach, and then I'm done. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and it <laughs> makes such a difference. 
Um, so we've kind of covered a little bit about thinking about Dubai. You've told us a little bit about your career. I do want to stick with talking to you about international teaching um, because I do like to paint the reality as well as obviously the dream because it's both. Um, but what are you finding? Because obviously you're into your fifth year now teaching overseas. So you're a year ahead of me in that respect. Um, what are you finding are the peaks and pitfalls of teaching overseas? So the peaks. Now, I do want to flag to people when you look on social media at the lifestyle in Dubai and the way that we live, a certain specific documentary did not help these misconceptions. Oh, don't get me started. I know, I know. So um, first of all, as a teacher, your professional development when you look at the recruitment process in the Middle East, you can see how competitive it is, but also how selective schools are with who they offer jobs to. Generally speaking, you learn and develop your practice internationally through your colleagues. Everyone has been hired because they have something to offer that school to develop. They have an expertise or experience or specialist or training in something that that school goes, we want to hire you. You have a skill set we want that will help develop our school. A lot of my development and CPD and new skills, I have learned from my colleagues. You are working with some of the best teachers recruited from the UK. No CPD or Twilight in the UK will ever teach you that. So I feel the CPD and development internationally teaching is definitely one of the peaks. You, it's, it's invaluable. It's invaluable what I've learned so far. Um, around with that, you've then got the networking, uh, there, the expat community is very small. You very quickly learn who people are and who their circles are and they all tend to overlap. And you get to build an amazing network of educators and practitioners that again can teach you something or support you with something, especially when you progress up the ladder, you tend to network more with people at your level and then you can work across schools to support your British school, let alone other British schools in the community. Um, then moving away from the professional side of things in your lifestyle, you have got those easy travel opportunities. You are in the hub of where transit would happen. You're halfway to the other side of the world, to the east, to Australia, and you can go and travel that side of the world a lot cheaper, a lot easier. And then the lifestyle that we have, it's, it makes such a difference that for 10 months of the year, we have got warm weather and sunshine all day, every day. Don't get us wrong. We do have our cold months and they are cold to us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We won't say the temperature. We won't give you the digit, but to us, it feels cold. But just that, just having that sunshine in all the time and work, walking out of work for your weekend, knowing I could spend it on the beach all weekend if I wanted to, or um, paddleboarding or kayaking, the activities of what we can do out here makes such a difference to your quality of life and your well-being. So they are definitely the peaks for me. I think I just want to go back a little bit of things that you were saying because it is the idea of CPD and working with and supporting each other and what you've said is an approach and it's kind of something that people have never really mentioned before and actually I think we really need to highlight that that idea you know you are working with some of the best of the best from the UK but also around the world and especially with COVID times that we are now rapidly coming out of, which feels incredible. Um, you know, CPD in its traditional sense obviously hasn't been as accessible, but that idea of actually being around people who've got so many varied experiences, I think I sometimes forget 
to kind of take stock and appreciate the kind of yeah, the experiences I'm getting from other people, the learning that I'm getting from other people. And I just think, Sadie, what you said there was just so important, that idea that, you know, we are working with expert teachers and it's that idea about collaborating. And I do find that actually, even though the schools are their own separate entities, the expectation or kind of the support to collaborate between schools is definitely stronger I feel less like I work in isolation here than I ever did in the UK what do you think absolutely yeah even and I say this to a lot of people who reach out to me about working in Dubai and that networking and that social side of it I tell them to look at the hashtag collab UAE yes yeah, and that is a whole community of teachers across British schools in the UAE so not just Dubai Abu Dhabi all the other Emirates and we just share our resources or share a lesson idea or a plan or something that we've used and go, hey, guys, this might help you. And we're just saving each other a lot of work here and just supporting one another. And you know you've got a year six teacher in Safa School. You've got a year six teacher or a year three teacher in um, DBS who may be able to help you with something because they've got that skill set and they've put that out on social media. And I feel the same. You definitely network and collaborate more across schools in your local area or within the Emirates themselves more than you ever would with your local borough back at home. Definitely, 100%. I mean, the school where I am at the moment, you know, we are just building. So it was a primary school. Again, people who are listening, you'll have heard me talk about this before. We were a primary school and now they're building and we're up to year nine. So obviously next year it's year 10. So I've had a year this year with absolutely no key stage four. And, you know, we're talking about going out moderating and getting back into other schools who've got established key stage four departments. And it's done and it's organized and it's just so easy to reach out. And I definitely have found that a lot easier in terms of those levels of collaboration than I ever did in the UK. Um, Sadie, you've got a question. Jeff, thank you so much for listening and joining us today. Um, Jeff is going to be a future guest with me and hopefully a Teachers Talk Radio host. And Jeff has sent you a message saying, Sadie, if you hadn't have gone to the Middle East, which other countries would you have considered teaching in? Oh, my goodness. The world is literally my oyster for this question. <laughs> I, Growing up, there was always a part of me that wanted to teach in America. Um I, in the beginning of my career, I worked in a very deprived area in London and worked with some really challenging children. And they were only challenging because of their context and their home life and what they were going through. And I had a real connection and passion with working with these children and supporting them, not just with their education, but socially, emotionally, and that pastoral side. And part of me was really interested to see how I could take that to America to support children in similar deprived areas. So there was definitely that part of me that definitely wanted to go there. But then when I look more at the lifestyle of the Middle East and what I love here, it's so far away, but I would love to teach and live in Australia. But it's just the distance is too far for me. I couldn't do it with my connections and ties to home. So if we could move Australia a little bit closer, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> what you were saying earlier, though, like here definitely does for seven hours. And that actually doesn't feel too terrifying. Does it? It's not It's not too mm. far. I can be home. And I was joined by Zara Harrington on my last show, the principal of my school. And, you know, she made the point that you can be in a car for seven hours in the UK yeah, and still absolutely. not to where you need to be. Um, but I think you're right, Australia does just feel just a touch too far, whereas at least here we've got a bit of a stopgap. 
Yeah, for, definitely. I just wish we could just pull it a little bit closer and then I'd be there in a heartbeat. But America could still be on the cards one day. It could be. Who knows? Who <laughs> knows where the world will take me? But I like that idea. The world is your oyster. That's definitely been one of my pulls for wanting to teach overseas is actually making sure that I do go and see as many different places as I possibly can. Absolutely. Are you even an international teacher if you don't have a scratch map? <laughs> have you got one you know what no i don't but now oh my goodness the first person it's just a feature we all have a scratch map to show where we've been and where we're going no i use my instagram highlights there we go <laughs> you've modernized it you've digitalized That's it there i am on my instagram <laughs> we will be coming on to talk about sadie's instagram because she's got significantly more followers than i have and i'm definitely there to get some tips um <laughs> so we i'm gonna ask you another question while we're still focusing on the international teaching and that is we've kind of touched a little bit but I think it's always nice to kind of bookmark it but what advice would you give to somebody who is considering the move to teaching abroad? Okay so this comes in quite closely with some of the pitfalls that I personally have and I always say to people first is it the right time to go? So there is just this ultimate idealistic image that people have of I'm going to qualify and then I'll go straight out to the UAE or I'll go straight out to the Middle East and I'll start my career there and it's like there's no rush no one's closing the doors on the Middle East no one's going anywhere it's always going to be here this isn't something you should ever rush into I tell people to think about their commitments back at home their ties back at home the demands that they may have is it emotionally socially the right time for you to go um because not everyone's fully aware of the transition and the changes you go through throughout the actual moving process. It's a real concoction of emotions you go through of that. I'm really excited to go. But then there's that element of I'm guilty. I feel guilty. I'm leaving all these people. And that, but then there's when you get there, you're starting to balance building those new friendships and building that new life for yourself, but trying to keep those people at home connected to you still. And it's exhausting at the beginning and it's tiring. It's very overwhelming. So I do try and bring light to the reality of that kind of when you get the job offer up until Christmas. So for some people, you're looking at March to December, which is a long period of time where your life is a bit of a whirlwind. So really that brings me on to the next piece of advice of network and talk to people, talk to people about the experience of the move, what they had to do, what they went through, what was the pits, what was the peaks, what was difficult of it and I try to do that a lot and share with people what's really going on on this side as the expat who has gone through the move and I just very much push people to do their research you cannot choose the school you want to work in until you've chosen the lifestyle you want and where you want to live you may find the perfect school but are you happy to live in that location and that's what teachers tend to forget in the UK, you walk out of uni and you know, find the perfect school for you is 20 minutes down the road or a 30 minute train drive, whatever. But for us, you're not just choosing your job, you're choosing your life, your lifestyle, your home, your country, where you have to rebuild all that by yourself. So really go in and do your research, network and talk to people and just have that bit of time of reflection of, is it the right time for me? Is it the right time to go? And am I ready for this really? I think that's really, really helpful. And I think the things that you're saying there are actually so important. The idea of, is it the right time? I mean, for me, I don't know. My experience was very much, I was 29. I'd 
been at uni in Yorkshire. I lived and grew up in Yorkshire. And I think I was having some sort of like end of 20s crisis. And I was like, I need to do something. <laughs> and I need to do something massively different. And I, I had applied to a job in Spain. I was Amazing. like, Spain, a couple of hours away. You know, I'm still close to my mum, who sometimes actually does listen in. So when she when she arrives, I'll say hi, mum. She does listen to the Monday show. Bless her. She's not even a teacher. Um, And so yes, so I went and had I got the offer for the interview, and the package came through, and I was like, "You're having an absolute laugh. (laughs) I can't afford to live in Spain on that." And that was a huge driver for me. And but by that point, I knew I needed to go. Um, and so I had a friend who I knew had worked in Dubai and that was it. I just started applying for jobs. I thought, well, she clearly likes it. Um, but yeah, I think my mind was, I think mindset wise, I was ready, but I had absolutely no idea. Um, as soon as I realized I could relocate my cat here and he would be fine. Um, but I was one of those people, I think that thing that you say, you know, do your research. I was waking up at three o'clock in the morning, you know, from about February to when I moved in August thinking, can I get ketchup? Can I get this? Can I do? And it's the most all those questions. Yeah. But at the same time, it's so important. Like you need to have that kind of anything that's going to provide you. I think with those home comforts, especially at the beginning, I think you need to have that kind of knowledge and understanding. And social media kind of got me through Facebook groups, things on Instagram, Twitter. You've already mentioned the hashtag Collab UAE for work. You know, I already had a really good understanding and network of people before I even got here. But my goodness me, I mean, it was still very brave. The fact I've never even visited. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend my route into it unless you are feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was a bit like, do you know what? I can go, I can do my I can do my contract. And if I don't like it, it's only been a couple of years of my life and I'll just travel as much as I can. But here we are four years in and definitely no sign of leaving anytime soon. That's all you hear when you first move over here and you're going through your induction and you're introduced to members of staff in your school. The opening line is, so I signed a two-year contract. I've now been here six, eight, 10, 15 years. No one tends to leave. It's a one-way door when you enter the Middle East. You just don't leave again. But I think you're right, though. It, it is definitely like that. You definitely hear that from all sorts of people. But it, for me, the number one thing is the sunshine. I just... It doesn't matter, yeah. even, you know, like you say, even on a cold day, and when we say cold, like you say, we won't mention the actual temperature. No, no. <laughs> but the sun is still shining, and then I find myself today, for example, Sadie, and anybody that's listening from the UAE say, I don't know what has happened in Dubai, but I feel like I blinked and actually missed winter. It was it was scary hot today already. It was very hot. The summer is back and it's creeping up again. Vengeance, um, I feel. <laughs> I know. When people at home make small talk about the weather, for me today, it was, it's going to be over 30 today, this week. It's going to reach over 30, might be 34. I'm like, oh, this is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only just started to be March. So, yeah, I think we've um, got a long way ahead of us. Anyway, we are massively digressing. And I love this because we always end up chatting and then I'm going to be like, right, Sadie, you're going to have to come back and do part two of the show because we're never going to get... Oh, no, what a shame. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm just going to play the news and the ads again, and then we're going to move our conversation on to talking about teaching primary, which is always interesting for me being a secondary teacher. 
So teaching primary and then speaking about your life as London primary teacher and your Instagram profile. So thank you to everybody that is listening in and Sadie and I will be back in a few minutes after this. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N.co.uk. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Young Enterprise Scotland started out in 1992 and supports around 16,000 young people from all backgrounds each year to develop their business knowledge, entrepreneurial skills and become more employable. It is hoping to grow its hashtag female boss programme through schools, targeting young women in S34 and ahead of course choice in S5. Liz Wardlow, College Delivery Manager for Youth Enterprise Scotland said, our aim is to inspire, empower and support young women from a younger age to develop themselves through enterprise. This will include supporting them in developing their leadership skills, their entrepreneurial spirit and focus on developing confidence from within, touching on self-esteem and resilience building.
By targeting S34, this would hit more pupils and also help them in the course choices for S5. It also creates a structured ladder of enterprise into our Young Enterprise Scotland Company programme, an accredited qualification recognised by UCAS, which they can participate in in S56. Ultimately, it will give more young women the opportunity to develop themselves through enterprise and potentially become successful businesswomen and leaders. As part of the Pennine Lancashire Treescapes project, children attending St John with St Michael Church of England Primary School in Shawforth, Rochdale, have planted 112 trees on their school site. Each tree has been registered with the Queen's Green Canopy project. Head teacher Stephen Rooney said, teaching our children about the environment and most importantly how to protect it is now the most crucial area of learning within our geography curriculum. After all, it is our children who will develop the innovative solutions to tackle climate change in the future. Therefore, it is our duty as teachers to plant the seeds of curiosity and ambition for our children to take forward for the rest of their lives. I'm delighted that our school is taking part in the tree planting campaign and registering all 112 trees with the Queen's Green Canopy is just wonderful. The children had a fantastic day learning lots of new skills and it was wonderful to see them helping and supporting each other. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk timers. After being challenged to make a timer with shapes in PowerPoint, I thought I'd throw out a quick tip for the most common presentation software used in teaching, Microsoft PowerPoint and Google Slides. The easiest way to add a timer is embedding a YouTube timer video. In Google Slides, it's easy. Simply click on the insert menu and select video. You'll then be given the option to search YouTube. If you didn't know already, YouTube is full of timer videos. So type in the timer you want, for example, five minute timer, and you'll be given a list of videos to choose from. Select the one you want and it will embed. Finally, use the video format options to determine whether you want it to play on a click, start automatically or manually. Job done. You can also do this in PowerPoint, but you'll need to search YouTube first to find your video as you'll need the video's URL. If you're not a geek, that's the big long www address. Now you've got the address, select insert video and online video. Paste in the address and it will embed. Again, you can decide how it plays back in the playback menu. For both these methods, you need to be connected to the internet for them to work, but usually you will be. For this week's visual version, I'll retweet my example of the shape timer from last week and add a short tutorial demonstrating the methods I've just described. So don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello and welcome back to Monday's Drive Home Show with me, Rebecca Ricketts, 
I am joined with the wonderful and fabulous Shady Landau, aka London Primary Teacher on Instagram. Um, and so we are going to carry on our conversation. But before we do, I just need to say I love, 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 love that two-minute tech every single week. I, I kind of forget that it's even there. And then when it comes on, I'm like, oh, I just think it's really great. Um, it's a fairly new addition to Teachers Talk Radio, but I do really enjoy it. Anyway, digressing massively. Sadie, thank you so much for joining me this evening. I am loving our conversation today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm enjoying it as well. I, I could definitely talk for longer, but we'll stick to the time. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I think we're just going to book you in for show number two. That's definitely happy. I'm really happy to go with that. Sign me up, definitely. So um, we've so far talked about, for anyone that's just picking up the show, because don't forget, it will be recorded and downloaded afterwards, so you can listen to it as a podcast. Um, we have talked so far about international teaching, but we're going to make a move now into an area that I know very little about, which is why I'm quite interested in it. And that is um, Sadie teaching primary school. I've just seen that Freya's just jumped in. Hi, Freya. It's so nice to have you listening to the show. I love Freya, by the way, everyone. Freya Odell, um, absolute legend. So hi, Freya. Um, so Sadie is a year five teacher here in Dubai, and you've already said that you've taught every single year group. So my question to you is, what is your favorite year group to teach? And can you tell us a little bit about your primary experiences? Oh my goodness, my favorite year, there's so many. But so my career started in key stage one. And at that point, um, my training years, I was year one and two, my NQT years, year one and two. And I was like, I'm never going up to the bigger kids. I can't do it. I like year key stage one. The year twos, such a fun year group. They're still explorative, but you're starting to cement and implement more structure and more routine and building on what they've learned in the early year setting and year one. So I really like the development phase of year two. But then... As always, each year, I never give a preference. I just let leadership put me where they want to put me. They know me as a teacher. They know the students. I'll go wherever. So then got moved up to key stage two. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what is going on with all this subject knowledge I need? But when you teach the older ones, you really get to hone in and develop them as a human being. And I see that more in upper key stage two than I do more in lower or in key stage one. Um, and you just start to have discussions and debates and reflective time about not just the learning but about society and when you're reading books or learning about history and geography they ask those questions where you can really hone in and show them what they need to be aware of around the world and then I feel like I'm molding these little humans a little bit more so I love them all don't get me wrong, early years teachers, I put my hands up to you. One academic year in reception and I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> Thoroughly enjoyed it. But for me, if I set up an activity and it doesn't look the same, that really stresses me out. But that is early years for you. Hats off to you, early years teachers. I can't, I can't go back down there. But year four, year five for me is kind of where I really enjoy that development that understanding that curiosity but there's still that innocence and fun behind them there's still those moments where it's like oh no you are still a child and we do still need to just have some fun but they still want to learn so much about the world so that's really my home comfort the year four year five age bracket I think that's really lovely I mean this is 
this year for me is the first year that I've really, really been exposed to primary because like I said, our school is building and I'm just surrounded by primary school students as well as my current year seven to nine. And the reason why I was really interested in having somebody primary on the show is because I really struggle with year seven. I love it because it's, it's mm, fun. Yeah. I really struggle with the whole, can I turn the page? Um, do I underline with a ruler? Um, miss, what do I do? Do I glue this in? I, the questions, I know, bless them, they just want to get it right and they are desperately, desperately want it. But my patience, it's awful. <laughs> it's awful to say. But then when you say, you know, but then I feel like the early years, kids walking through those tiny, tiddly little dots and I'm just like, you are adorable. I could just put you in my pocket and you could just tell me all these funny things all day. They're absolutely adorable. But I think what you've just said there, you know, you're getting them a little bit older and you are having now those kind of contextual conversations. And I think it's really interesting because your reasons for wanting to teach the, maybe the upper years and like upper key stage two um, is similar to why I, I think gravitate more towards like year 10, 11, 12 and 13. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because again, it's that kind of, it's having those contextual conversations. But you say hats off to early years. I say hats off to any primary teacher because I seriously, I, I don't know how you do it. Like you said, <laughs> the subject knowledge, the patience. Yes, there is a lot of patience. Don't get me wrong. The year fives, they still ask, do I stick in this sheet and do I underline? And what miss? I've had children come up to me and she go, Miss, I finished my page. I'm like, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for telling me. <laughs> what do we do about that? <laughs> Like, they say to me, Miss, I'm too hot. Okay, cool story. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, they do. They don't mean any harm, do they? Oh, gosh, no, absolutely not. But yes, I do. Hats off to any primary school teacher. Honestly, I, I don't think I could do it. Maybe for a week, maybe for a day. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I could do it long term at all. No, that's absolutely fine. Because <laughs> I look at secondary and I just think, first of all, 90% of you are taller than me. So I'm just not going to enter this environment. And my school at the moment, year four, year five and year six are in the secondary building. So I'm constantly surrounded by students taller than me. It's just not okay. Oh, you see, I don't mind that. I mean, I am quite short naturally anyway, but it is quite amusing. And these boys now are starting to look down at me a little bit. And they're like, yes, miss. And then, I don't know, I just slam them with a few big words that they don't understand. Um, so we've kind of touched upon you know life pre and post pandemic and I have talked on the show recently about how Dubai is opening back up um I did say at the start that I'd been to expo and I've been outside quite a lot this weekend but one of the best things about being outside this weekend is the fact that we don't have to wear masks outside anymore absolutely even expands to school so for the first time I'm actually seeing my students faces yeah yeah playtime play duty outside today I was like, oh my goodness, I can see your whole face for the first time. But we were having um, a conversation, I was like, they don't look how I expect it. It's so funny now, we've become so conditioned, haven't we, to maths? Mm, yeah. And some of the kids today, I was watching them and they still have, you know, they still put them on during playtime because that's all they've been used to for so many years. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. In general, how are you finding teaching and how is your teaching life going as we are kind of recovering and continuing to recover 
from the past? Yeah, I'd say over here in the Middle East, we're still a little bit behind the UK um, in regards to distancing classrooms, mask wearing, that hybrid learning still exists for students who are at home isolating or testing positive. So we are slowly getting there. We're just a little bit behind the UK. So I do sometimes have those moments. I look at the UK and go, oh, I, I, I want that back. And we will get there. And I know our government and our leaders will do it at the right time for us. But um, it's just still finding that balance of habits we had before the pandemic and what we do now. And I find this academic year has really been a reverse of the transition. I think mm -hmm. online learning was thrown on us so suddenly we were pushed in the deep end, find a way, make it work. Whereas now I found our school in particular, we're actually having to remind ourselves how we taught before all that. So hang on, no, we did have the kids up and active and practical learning and all these resources. And it wasn't sitting at a desk in front of an iPad all day, every day. So we've really enjoyed that transition again of reminding ourselves what, how we used to teach. But there are elements of digital learning and online learning that I know will stay with me now and continue with me. For example, Google Classroom, I remember back in 2018, it was introduced to my school and we all looked at each other thinking, what is this? What do we do with it? I don't know, post the homework and put the newsletter on there. Who knows? I remember that, yeah. And now it's yeah. like the same with that Google Classroom or Teams. Absolutely, yeah. Like I still use Google Classroom and I think I will until the next platform's brought in. Um, so there are still practices. And this, I think what we can take out of the pandemic is the deep dive we had into ed tech and effectively using technology and how we can now adapt and modernize that for effectively teaching in the classroom with the children in front of you again. No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, like you say, we're still hybrid teaching. The days when I'm back to being tethered to my desk because I've got to, you know, teach a child that has been a close contact or bless them has got COVID. I'm like, oh, here we go again. But I think you're right. I think in terms of the progression that we have in terms of ed tech and the things that we're able to do is absolutely phenomenal now. And I think, like you say, the way we've managed to upskill ourselves as a profession so quickly is incredible. It's phenomenal. Mm, yeah. And even just because we had to find ways, especially, I'm sure you did in secondary as well, but in primary, I remember we were in year four, lockdown had started, and I'm looking at the curriculum thinking, how am I going to teach fractions through a computer with no objects in front of me to show them I'm cutting up one hole? And you found these websites and these platforms and pieces of software that existed that we would have just blinked and looked past previously. Whereas now I'm like, no, I can use that in the classroom. These apps are so effective. So I've definitely gained a lot more practice and effective practice in that such with the ed tech. But I think we're still on a learning curve over here with remembering day-to-day -day life before the pandemic and finding that balance now of bringing in that ed tech, but going back to our old ways of that up practical, busy learning again, especially in primary. No, I think the same in secondary because, I mean, for us, we've very much been like, you know, here are our, here's your table, table pairs, here's your table group, here's, this is it. You sat with these people. You might be in a different room, but you're with the same people all day, every day. You can't collaborate. And obviously English is such a discursive subject. You know, I like the kids to be up and about. I like them sharing and 
going through and looking at different people's work and ideas and discussing with somebody else at the other side of the room. And that has been really challenging, I think, to have people sat in seats. But the other side of that is now so quickly, you know, parents are back in school, we're going on residentials, we've got school trips and it's amazing how, and you know, having extracurricular back, we've got um, debate club, we've got World Scholars Cup, I've talked about that a few times on the show, we've got our second round of competition, it's amazing how quickly we're now being expected to kind of fit everything back in, I think, how did we do this before? Absolutely, it's definitely been a shock to the system because we kind of had that um, the Middle East, we kind of took a blip back at January. Restrictions were brought back in quite heavy again for the beginning of term two, which was such a shock because term one, we had really eased and relaxed and found our flow. And then term two was, nope, we're going back, all the way back again. And now we've kind of eased into it. And I, I've sat and thought the same, looking at the school calendar, thinking, oh my gosh, how was this normal before? And there's something so common in the Middle East of that mad march. For some reason, everything happens in March and we're in full swing now. But as always, we do just pick up the pace and do it, don't we? But I've definitely enjoyed having trips back. But there was still that sense of, I had to, we went on residential and I had to reassure the children. I'm like, don't worry, it's okay. Everything we're doing is still safe. But because they're so not used to it, they they were out of their comfort zone. I had to reassure them everything's okay and that safety measures are there. We've still got our masks. Um... But one thing I definitely see from the pandemic and coming out of it now, I don't know about secondary children, but taking primary children on a school trip is eventful at the best of times and exhausting. I got my steps up. It was great. But they just don't know how to walk with a partner in a straight line. It was like herding sheep and cats at some point. So just those basic skills. We'll, We'll work there. We'll get there. But I think you're right, you know, when we think about it, like, this is the thing I was saying to you about, you know, my year sevens really test my patience, but then I have to remind myself, it's year four, they were in year four the last time they had a normal school year, and, you know, to me, that's been, like, babies, and I think it's really, really important, yes, of course, we talk about closing the curriculum gap and they make sure that we're, you know, covering content, but for me, it goes back to the whole thing about, teaching the whole child and making sure they're having those life experiences so yeah it's busy and yeah it's stressful and I am exhausted as are most teachers I think right now I think I'm speaking for a lot of people but to get those kind of experiences like you say even just getting them to be able to walk in in pairs (laughs) yeah (laughs) really important absolutely yeah I find as well that um it is just building those routines and life skills again just those life skills that up until year four would have been quick everyday practice that they just know they just do and we're we're, we will reap the seeds we sow maybe one year maybe two years I'm not sure but eventually we will get back there but like you say the year sevens not having a normal year since year four that's shocking to calculate yeah that's the thing that I always kind of just kind of hold on to and remind myself of and think you know they they weren't even in upper key stage two at that stage like it's crazy Mm, absolutely Listen, time is absolutely running away from us and we barely even scratched the surface of today's conversation. And I really do want to talk to you about your online presence. So I am going to move us on just because there's so many things I want to talk to you about today and I can't believe that we're already at five past nine, but, sorry, five past five if you're in the UK. Um, 
you obviously have this fantastic online profile. We've spoken about it. I've mentioned it already. Um, and that is, for anybody that's listening, it's London Primary Teacher on Instagram. Um, so I'm really interested to know what inspired you to create this presence and how do you maintain it? So we're rewinding back to 2016. I was a PE coordinator at the time in London. And I just really took the time to reflect and thought, as a teacher in the UK, or just as a teacher generally, there is no culture where it's been made acceptable to walk into your planning meeting or to walk into the staff room and go, actually, I've just had a really good lesson, or I've made this resource that's really helped my children. We're, it's kind of instilled in us as practitioners to always reflect, always develop, always improve, when actually that can become quite detrimental. And we need to take a moment and just go, no, this was great and I want to share it. So back in 2016, I made the account. But I think I was a little bit ahead before my time because there wasn't a lot on there and there wasn't a lot of people or teachers to follow at the time. And I remember my first post, for any PE coordinators, this will resonate with you, my cupboard of equipment was beautiful. So I just took a photo and put it up. And from that, <laughs> sad teacher life here. <laughs> but then from that, I just started to post lessons that I'd done or books that I'd used or resources or even just the reality of sitting after school on a Tuesday with my highlighters highlighting at the time APP grids oh my goodness yeah uh, that's how far back we've gone but I just thought there's no encouragement in teaching in the UK at that point of celebrating what you're doing and that is actually good and helpful for the children so I just started doing that Dabbled in it for a bit and then forgot about the account. And when I moved, when I finally took the plunge and started to move to Qatar, I was like, no, I'm going to get back into this. I want to start showing people what happens and what this process is like. And again, here's my display I've done for a science topic or here's this resource we use for a maths lesson or look at this website I found. And I just, whatever I was doing in the classroom, I was channeling through to this account and it started to grow. Um, and then I got to a point, I was two years in working in Qatar and I thought, hang on, this can become a really good connection for me as a teacher to stay in the loop with what's happening in the UK schools. If I go home at any point, I don't want that culture shock of what's happening in these classrooms. I need to keep in the loop. I want to network with teachers in the UK and I want to see what's happening there. Is it something I can bring to my classroom in the Middle East? Is it something that I can share with them? Is something to keep me in line with UK standards and practices and pedagogy in the classroom? So that then became the real initiative behind it. But as lockdown came around and Qatar's restrictions and school restrictions were um, a lot tighter than the UK when UK started to ease them, we had still been hybrid learning for about 18 months and the UK had gone back to full-time school and then got reverted back. It was that Christmas where they all went back online again and we had they had to start all over. And I was like, no, guys, I've been on Google Classroom now for this long. Let me share some stuff with you. Let me make this easier for you, for those who are trying to learn it quick. And it was from that that really built the network and the following more than anything. It was just sharing what I'm doing. And the thing is, for anybody that hasn't had a look at Sadie's Instagram, and I absolutely implore you to do so, it is really comprehensive, really helpful 
just very clear posts in terms of giving advice, asking the questions and then answering them and actually providing that kind of support in a very manageable, broken down way. Because that's the other thing, isn't it? You know, teaching, we talk about, we've talked about it a lot. It's so fast paced. We're moving all the time. That actual opportunity to go away, do some deep, heavy reading. We don't have the time, especially, as you say, in Mad March. So seeing something like your Instagram profile, seeing the kind of things that are out there, it's quick, it's easy to read, it's manageable, and it just kind of breaks down any of those kind of misconceptions. Um, does it take you a long time, though? Like, how do you manage your teaching commitments and developing, building, maintaining that online profile? Yeah, those balances, they do ebb and flow at times. We all know they're the, there's those windows in the school year where workload is high, there's a lot to be done. And at those moments, it, I do become a little bit more inactive. And it's natural when you flick through some of these teacher accounts that you do see the story or the post going, I've been MIA for a week or two, it's been busy, but I'm back. And for me, it's very natural in my classroom where I'm videoing, I'm taking photos because I know I may use them in a lesson or students could use them as support resources. And there's just always that content I can use at some point in the future for the class. I'm just very mindful of my film and I keep the students' faces out of it. It's all just focusing on the work and the learning. So again, if I'm in year five next year, I've got all this content of my lessons from last year to show my new year five and go, look, this is what we're doing today. Here's how the year fives did it last year. Here's a, a waggle or a good example or even a bad example, mistakes we made. So that was first of all, the intention of collecting the content of I can use this in future lessons or I can share it with teachers. And then I just have a bulk of things that have been filmed or photographed and it might just be in the evening in front of the TV or sitting in the car waiting for something or over a weekend. But the real organization behind the account comes during the holidays. So that's where I kind of look at all the content I've collated and worked out. Oh, I haven't posted this or this would be a great time to post that and calendar that one in. And then it just becomes a bit of a to-do list of post this one, then that one and I went down the spiral of aesthetics and I kind of have a pattern on my grid. So working that out as well plays a bit of time. But it's just, it just became a natural hobby of I'm taking all this content for the classroom anyway. Let's use it and channel it through the social media now. You see this doing the radio and Freya's here. She knows because my first ever interview on Teachers Talk Radio was with Freya and this has always been my 10% braver, like, okay, I'm going to put myself out there. And I keep saying, I'm going to blog, I'm going to blog, and I'm still not, we're in March, and it was supposed, this is my 2020 goal, 2022 goal is to blog, and we're in March, and it's still not happened yet, but that's the thing, it's that, it's that idea, isn't it, about being just that little bit braver and putting yourself out there, and I suppose realising and understanding that people maybe do want to hear what you've got to say, or do want to see what you've got to say, but it's it's a bit of a leap, I think. It is a big leap and it took me a while. For a, for a long time in Qatar, I lived a bit of a Hannah Montana life and the London primary teacher existed, but I was Miley Cyrus. No, no one knew the two existed together. And it did just organically seep through. And I, what I was building resources-wise for London primary teacher, I started to just subtly introduce to my team. and like, oh, look at this resource I found slash I made it on the weekend. But... <laughs> From that, it naturally came around. And now a lot of my colleagues do follow me on there or um, ex-colleagues that have like got back in contact with me because they've seen it. And 
I just, I don't have the shame in it anymore because I know what I'm doing is purposeful and helping people that at the beginning it is a bit like, oh, I'm cringing. I'm not really, there's nothing really happening, but I'm doing it because I enjoy it. Whereas now I know there's real purpose. I know I'm helping people. I know that people are appreciating what I'm putting out. So that softens the blow and Hannah Montana's, the Hannah Montana life has ended now. <laughs> but that's the thing you see, because I have, so just so that people have the context, I met Sadie socially um, a few weeks ago and we have a mutual friend. I work with one of Sadie's closest friends at my new school and the radio, this is something that I keep very, very much separate to my work. So if you're going to go Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus, I love that as an analogy. <laughs> And um, that's very much happening in my life. And not many people at school know that I do this. And I just happened to mention it. And she was the one that said, oh, you need to speak to Sadie. Sadie's got this Instagram account. Sadie is London Prem. And I was like, what? And I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And then I went on and I was like, oh, my goodness. But again, that kind of takes us full circle when we're talking about that kind of networking and expat teachers and meeting people abroad you know we met socially and now here we are talking absolutely and all sorts of things and this is another reason why that kind of expat life is kind of amazing and that international teaching because we end up just meeting people from all different walks of life of course yeah absolutely I remember receiving my invite for interview for Dubai and when I looked at who was interviewing me I thought we've been following each other on Twitter for ages. I kind of already know you and that made it a lot easier. And you do, you network and you build those circles straight away. And like the same as you, we were sitting at that table together and neither of us mentioned the platforms that we use or who we are or what we do. And it wasn't until the mutual friend was the glue for us. Um, but again, it's, I, I don't, it's still not something I would openly talk about. And that brings me around in a full circle of why I made the account in the first place. It was to celebrate and share and just collaborate with people but I have still got that moment where I wouldn't walk up to someone and go hey here's my account like look at this um I would just subtly take content from the account to help other people but I would never openly talk about the account no I'm exactly the same. but it's something for me this I don't know for anybody that's listening I've got a couple of people like I said they've got people that are thinking of doing it people who do it for me, this is, and we've talked about CPD, this for me is my favourite kind. It's the most selfish kind, and I'm always really surprised that other people actually want to listen because I'm always talking <laughs> to people here that are actually developing my CPD. So, no, it is. It's a really good, it's a nice way to do it, but I know what you mean. It's like kind of like don't really want to talk about it when I'm at work or, you know. in the yeah, I, yeah, I do try to keep that line of, planning meetings or talking with a team I don't bring it up someone may mention a resource from it and go or, or could you reach out to people through the account I'm like yeah of course but it's never something that I would actively bring forward but I know it's helping people around the world and that's that's all it's there for well it's trying to help people. Is, like just under 4,000 followers I mean that's pretty incredible yeah it's like it's mind-blowing I can't believe it um to hit 4,000 and that's all just organically from sharing things and interacting with people it's it's mad it's I can't get my head around it and then it was it was only a few months ago I was at a brunch here and someone come up to me and said are you London primary teacher and I just had this moment yeah and I was like um yeah (laughs) it was it was just a real out-of-body experience I was like oh my gosh I can't believe someone's put the two together and realized it's me and it's just not something I ever thought I would experience but 
But then what they said was, you helped me so much to get my job over here. And I was like, that's why I do it. That, I need to remember that. That's why I had that awkward feeling a minute ago when you clocked who I was. But it helped people. And that's all I want to do now is just help people with their practice or with new ideas. At the end of the day, no teacher is in the job to reinvent the wheel and to start things from scratch. And if I can be a platform to share what I'm doing or to share what other people are doing to help others, then the account's in the right place. Do you know what? It's so funny that you've just mentioned that. You know, um, Mr. P I C T. <laughs> oh yes. I yeah. was on a flight back from um Manchester to here and I'd literally I'd only been home six months and I'd got a return flight to you. So I'd gone home, seen my mum for the weekend, um, because it was the only time I could fit it in. I cried so much at the check-in desk coming back to Dubai. Yeah, it's not pretty international <laughs> a lot of tears. Um I'd been I'd been upgraded. They felt so sorry for me. They upgraded me to business. Oh, fantastic. So I, was like, I was like still kind of crying at the desk, but inside like living my best life. And I was sat next to Mr. P ICT. <laughs> and I had a complete and utter, I was like, this is so embarrassing, but I know who you are. And yeah. was coming over here to deliver some CPD. And I was like, you don't want to talk to me for seven hours all the way back to Dubai. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was absolutely buzzing. Um, so he was super helpful. Um, yeah, of course. Just another example of how your social media can help and so many people. Like, look how successful he's been from it all. Oh, I know. Incredible. And again, he's another person that demonstrates that kind of, you know, balancing the work, the life and that social media. It is pretty incredible what he's been able to achieve. That'll be you. 4,000, however many thousand, that will be you. Oh, my goodness. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> um, so my next question is sticking to this and thinking about what advice you would want to give anybody who is listening who wants to build their online profile and presence. Yes. So obviously you can go down the route of looking at it more professional and your color schemes and your bio and all of those business side of things but I would just say don't overthink it be you be authentic whatever it is you want to share share it because it will help someone somewhere there will be a teacher scrolling twitter looking for exactly what you have so don't overthink it if you enjoy it go ahead and keep doing it and just share what you're doing with your kids in your class the resources you're making even just the reality of teaching and reminding people Firstly, just how hard it can be, but how you're coping as well. I think there's become a much more transparent dialogue with the struggles we face as teachers, especially post-pandemic, the struggles we face, that work-life balance, that quality of life, and just supporting one another through it. It's such a positive environment and a positive culture on the teacher gram and teacher Twitter that everyone is there for one another. So enjoy it, post whatever you feel you want to post and you want to share and interact with others, get to know others, find other accounts that are in a similar role or position to you in your school that you could network or collaborate with and build that community for yourself. Um, I think that's absolutely wonderful. And, you know, for me, you know, I've already said the whole thing about wanting to blog, but it's always that kind of fear. So for anybody that's kind of like in my shoes or thinking similar, I think what Sadie's just said there is so wonderful. You said something earlier to the last question. You said, no teacher is in this job to reinvent the wheel. And then you just said, be you, be authentic, and don't overthink, 
overthink it. I can't even speak. I'm just literally reading down what I've written. Don't overthink it and just share. And I think that's just so wonderful, you know, just putting yourself out there. Because like you say, if it helps one person, we say this in the classroom, if it helps one student, if it helps one kid, then we've made a difference. So it's the same thing. If we're helping one professional, one colleague, one of our peers, then it's done what it was meant to do. Exactly. Absolutely. And we say it to the kid. I say to my children, two brains are better than one. So <laughs> it's the same with us. Just collaborate and support one another. It, it can be a hard slog at times. And if we're there for one another, then that's all we can do. I think you're 100% right. If we can be there for one another when it is so difficult. And like you say, we're coming out of one challenge and that in itself is presenting so many other challenges as we try and plug those gaps and rebuild and get it all going again, then definitely you cannot underestimate those online communities. I kind of wax lyrical about that on this show. You know, Twitter has been a massive support network for me um, before I moved internationally and definitely in the last year or so um I don't think I could ever underestimate it or undervalue it enough to be honest I think it's definitely something that we all need and I would advocate every day it's just like a really big staff room isn't it but a lovely staff room a positive one a nice one a nice room absolutely um, so we are coming towards the end and I ask this question to every guest that I have just because I'm really interested in people's responses and they're so diverse. Um, but I always like to know what pedagogical approach you would happily send to Room 101. Oh my goodness, where do I start? No. Okay, so there is one thing, especially in as a Key Stage 2 teacher, that has been hounded and instilled into children and I don't know why and I know there may be some teachers that disagree with me on this but it's cursive handwriting and I do not see the purpose of it what impact does it have this is why I wanted to speak to a primary school teacher because I don't understand it no I would really like to understand it because I would rather be able to read legible handwriting I'd rather a child complete their work. (laughs) (laughs) Your handwriting is beautiful, but you've written a one sentence. That's not enough for a key stage two child. No, even I remember being in school and my year five teacher telling me to hold my pencil correctly and form the letters how she had. And I responded with, Miss, do you want me to hold the pencil correctly or do you want me to form the letters like you? Because I can't do both. No, I could not do it. And I I do say it to the children and I do say it to the parents of, as long as it is legible and the formation is there and I can see ascenders, I can see descenders, I can see the capital letters, it doesn't need to be joined. Because why? I'm I'm 29 and I don't join my letters sometimes. But the thing is, the parents come to us in secondary school and you can see them almost like physically breathing a sigh of relief. And I'm like, I just need to be able to read it. I don't care. I just need to be able to read it. That can go in room 101. Whoever put it in the curriculum can get in the sea. I'm not (laughs) for it at all. We always say as teachers, what's the purpose? What impact will it have on the children? No one can answer that about cursive handwriting. Why does it need to be cursive? As long as I can read it and it's all formed correctly, then that's all that matters. And some of them go into doctorates and write prescriptions and we all know what they look like. Exactly. And I'm now going to ask the question because there's another thing that I don't know if it's just because I'm secondary or whatever, but pen licences, what are they? 
Ah, so that's an incentive to go with the handwriting. So children who improve their handwriting and match whatever expectation the school has set, they earn their pen license, which means they write in pen instead of pencil. So commonly and traditionally, children always write in pencil until they get, it depends what year each school brings it in. Some start from year three, some start from year four, but it's commonly in key stage two. You can transition from pencil to pen once you show you've met the expectations with the handwriting policy for that school. And again, why why bring that in? There are children that are never going to meet that expectation, never get their pen license emotionally. Say that is not going to support them. Crying when I'm like, please don't write in pencil. You're in secondary school. And they burst into tears and like, I'm not allowed to write in pen. In yeah. pen. And I've like, spent four what? years with it instilled that they're not allowed a pen because of their handwriting. Yeah, I can't. To me, I think you've... For me, in secondary school, my biggest issue is card sorts just because I don't like laminating and cutting things out. But, (laughs) yeah, I'm sorry. Hashtag lazy teacher. Um, But the thing inheriting for me from primary is cursive and pen licences because I think pen licences, I find them really damaging. Yeah, absolutely. They're... There is no reason to bring that incentive in. They either all go to pen or they all stay on pencil. Do not bring in something that's going to detriment some children. The fact that you've got secondary children crying, that's awful to hear. And I don't think it's seen in the long run with that progression and that impact it has on students. First time I've seen it this year and it happened in September. And I was really, (laughs) I was really, really, and I rang home and I said, look, you know, you need to just please go take her and make buying a pen a really lovely experience. Do something. Oh, that's lovely. And she came kitted out with the most phenomenal pencil case, which, you know, stationary geek over here was absolutely... I was about to say, good for her. So she deserved that stationary haul. Oh, massively. She she enjoyed that trip to the mall because, and she deserved it, bless her, because she was absolutely devastated. And I just, I don't, I don't understand the idea of pen licenses I'm going to put it out there teachers talk radio pen licenses good thing bad thing that's going to be a question that is going on my twitter later because actually this has now opened a bit of a can of worms for me I am thoroughly intrigued to see the results of that poll later I'm going to put it out there I'm going to tag you in and we'll see what happens cannot wait to see what chaos we have caused (laughs) (laughs) um so as we're starting to think about wrapping up, and we are going to run over, so I apologise to anybody, but I don't think, I think I've got a little bit of time. Um, what is the best piece of advice that you have received in regards to teaching? I know that's a massive question. Oh, my goodness. So the first one, which I remember on my final teacher placement, I was talking to a teacher, and she sat me down and said, week or weekend? And I went, what are you talking about? She was like, when would you rather do your work? during the week or on the weekend. And I was like, well, obviously I want the weekend for myself. She went, just remember that. And I've never forgotten that to this day. And now my ethos is get my work done during the week. If I have to pull a few later evenings to get it done, I will do it. If I need to go in a little bit earlier, I will do it. And I will get my to-do list as done as I can do during the week. The weekend is mine. And that, that is the balance I've taken the time to build for me. I absolutely love that. And I think, again, regardless of where you teach, international, back in the UK, I think that's something that's so important to hold on to. And I'm the same as you. I'm quite happily just have the TV on in the background, mindless. I've rewatched all of the in-betweeners in the last few days while I've been writing my year seven reports. That's impressive. Well, it's just 
making me laugh as I'm like, you know, mindlessly drumming yeah. through yet another. But it's one of those things, it's like week or weekend. I really like that. And I think that's something that we all need to kind of hold on to. It's just all about finding that balance. Like everything in life, it is all about balance. And if you don't want to work during the week, fine, but expect to do it at the weekend. If you get it done during the week, you can have your weekend. Especially when we finish at 12. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. More of an <laughs> And my final, final question, not that I want it to be, I feel like I've talked to you forever, to be honest. Um, what is your proudest teaching moment? Oh, my goodness. Um, oh, I'm, I'm genuinely sitting here just smiling right now, thinking of some moments. So there are a few students I could talk about where I just have so much pride for them, but I know that was because of me. But there's kind of this everyday instillment that I have where it just kind of brings me back to why I came into this job in the first place now when I was in primary school I struggled and I was nearly held back a year in reception thankfully I pushed through and I succeeded but I was that child in school that middle of the class could be forgotten about got the job done but didn't really do anywhere any better and didn't really need any support just kind of plodded along but I didn't always understand why or what I was doing and the sake of it. Whereas now um, the approach in primary teaching is there is purpose, there is explanation. We do deepen the thought and the explanation of the kind of breaking down of skills, which we never had in school, but I needed that. And every now and again, I chat to a parent or I have a parent's evening and they just go, my child loves you. And I'm like, okay, yes, we hear this a lot. They do. The loyalties are with whoever's the teacher at the time, of course. They're like, no, my child comes home and says, Miss Landau explains things and shows me things in the exact way that I need it. And that for me is the reminder of when I was young and I was sitting in school and I was like, I don't understand why you're making me do this or why have I got to do it this way? You're not explaining it to me clear enough. And now that I'm able to do that for the children in my class, that for me is the, I got there in the end. I struggled through primary, I struggled through secondary, A-levels weren't that great, uni was a struggle, but I finally done that whole U-turn to get back to, you won't struggle because I've helped you get to that point and I've helped you explain it in the way you needed it. And that for me is my proudest teaching achievement. I think that's wonderful. I think that's really lovely. And I don't really think we've been in the show on anything better, to be honest. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, you know what? That's just so lovely. But it's personal and it's pertinent. And I think it really underpins anybody that's listening why we do this job. Is that's it? Yeah. We want to make it as pleasant, as easy, as nice, as engaging, all of those things. Ultimately, we want them to know what the purpose is. Yeah, absolutely. And I absolutely, find that yeah. each other like, well, I'm never going to write a story. I'm like, no, but you're going to want to communicate. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I have very much those conversations with some very bullshit year nine boys at the moment who don't really want to know why they're having to study Macbeth. But there you go. There is always purpose to Macbeth. <laughs> Lady, I cannot thank you enough. For joining me today no, thank you for having me one of my most favorite interviews you've just been so easy to talk to and listen to i could have honestly carried on for hours but it is half past nine here in dubai so we are gonna have to call it a day uh, yes we do have early starts don't we <laughs> yeah. 
teaching at half past seven in the morning. It isn't a joke. Like that is <laughs> that is another pitfall of international teaching. The the, the start time. It's early. <laughs> Lady, I would absolutely love to have you back on the show at some point in the very very near future. Absolutely. I've had the most wonderful time. Thank you so much for having me. I just felt at home talking to you. It was so lovely. Thank you. Honestly, doing this on a Monday, I absolutely love it. It is one of my favourite parts of my week. So thank you so much for being a part of it. Thank you so much again, Rebecca. It's been an absolute pleasure. And for everybody who has been listening today, thank you so much. If you are downloading the show, please tweet about it and let us know that you have listened. And I will be back next Monday. I'm hoping with Jeff Pedley, who has been listening to the show tonight. So I will be back here next Monday, um, Teacher Talk Radio, same time, 4pm UK, 8pm UAE. And Sadie, thank you again. That is London Primary Teacher for anybody that wants to go and have a look at her Instagram and see all of the amazing things that we have been talking about. So thank you so much, Sadie. And for everybody listening, I will see you next week. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.